teaching series this morning, you can probably see where this is going, called Come and See. Come and See. And it has this sort of invitation in mind. This sort of, you have got to go and check this out for yourself. It's too amazing. It's those stories and experiences that we have that are just too good to keep to ourselves. We've got to tell others about it. We've got to share about it. We've got to invite others to come and see. And as it turns out, spoiler alert, there are three places in the Gospel of John where Jesus himself or disciples offer this same invitation. Come and see. Come and see. And so we're going to be looking at those in the next couple of weeks, talking about the power of invitation, the power of sharing your story, the power of sharing your transformational experience, how important and unique that is, but really about inviting others as well to come and see for themselves. See, invitation is a vital part of discipleship. It's a vital part of discipleship. But we don't talk about it all the time here. At least in our, in our tradition, sometimes here in this church, and maybe if you've been a churchgoer for a long time or you've been here and comfortable for a long time, you think, ah, you know, it's important, yes, but maybe you're afraid about being rejected. You're afraid of making someone else uncomfortable. You're afraid that you don't know how to answer everyone's questions. So if you invite them to a church event or you invite them, invite them here to church, you know, you just don't, you don't want to make people uncomfortable. Or maybe you're like me and you realize that, wow, like 99.9% of the people that I engage with throughout the week, they're already believers. They're already following after Christ. They already have a church home, a community to plug into. There's not a lot of people that I have in my network maybe that I, so I I, I sort of confess that to you this morning going, hey, I'm going to be working on that in the next several months of forming meaningful relationships where I have opportunities to share about how Jesus has transformed my life. Inviting is a vital part of our own discipleship, but it's not something that I think we practice or even know how to do. A couple months ago, one of you came to me and said, we need to be talking about this. I won't name names, but if you want to know who you can blame for this teaching series, getting us outside of our comfort zone, I'll let you know. One-on-one after service. (laughs) I'll let you know. know. Inviting. I didn't say your name, Vance. Our lady leader, ladies and gentlemen. All right. That's what leadership is. Preacher, I've got a question for you. We need to be talking about this. We've talked a lot about the Gospel of John in the last couple of months, year or so. It's one of my favorites, and I love, I love this sort of invitation. And I love that we're going to be digging into some of these stories in the next couple of weeks. Because I hope that we will see sort of the power of Jesus and how he invites people sort of along the way before everything is revealed to just come, meet me here, come and see. Sometimes... Sharing, inviting, loving others can be as simple as come and see. So the first one we're going to look at today comes from John chapter 1. Uh, our passage is 30, verses 35 through 51, and I'm going to read that for us this morning. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. 
The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Jesus, the son of Joseph. Because I said to you, I saw you under the Oh, that's not right. Nathaniel, here we go. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I know that was a long passage. It got a little jumbled there. There's a lot going on, a lot of characters. So we're going to break it down in just three quick snapshot images of what's happening in this passage. First, we find John, that is John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus who's out and announcing right before this passage, he's, he's pointing to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He had been baptizing people, not in the Spirit, but preparing the way for Jesus who was coming, and presumably had disciples, if you will, people he was teaching, people he was preparing. And so we come right here into this story, and we hear John say again, There he is, Behold, the one I've been telling you about the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world, and immediately two disciples who'd been with John decide right then to follow Jesus. They decide right then to follow Jesus. And by follow, this is we know this is a theme in the Gospel of John, that what we're talking about here is discipleship. They name him rabbi, which means teacher. They are saying, we're going to become your students. Instead of John's, we are now going to be disciples of Jesus. We know that what they're talking about here is not just literal walking, but following Jesus in discipleship and learning. And I love Jesus' question to them. What do you seek? I imagine sort of they have their moment. Jesus were to appear before you and say, what do you want to know? What, what do you seek? And I imagine, I read one scholar who's sort of like, man, he blew his moment. Right? Like, there he was, the prophet, the Lamb of God, here he is, the Messiah. And he's like, what do you seek? And he's like, uh, dumb. 
where are you staying tonight? <laughs> where are you staying? Because I got lots more questions. Probably what I'd be thinking. I want to come with you. Where are you staying? Okay, so maybe it was a practical response. Like it was late. They needed a place to stay. But where are you staying actually as well? Like this is another indicator that what we are talking about is discipleship. Because the word in Greek actually means the permanent remaining or abiding place. So sort of where are you abiding? Where do you come from? Where are you going? And it's the same word for abide, stay, that will be used multiple times there throughout the Gospel of John. And again, when Jesus says later, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide with me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. But Jesus is like, before we get into all of that, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Abide. Another invitation into discipleship. So maybe he didn't blow his moment. Maybe this disciple here decided right then, I'm going to find out what this guy's going to do. Where are you staying? I want to come as well. All right, so that's the first. That's the first snapshot. And, and we understand that one of those two disciples of John, who then decides to go and follow Jesus, what we know from the story is that one of them was Andrew. So the second snapshot, what does Andrew do? What does he do immediately? He goes to get his brother. He goes to get his brother. And he's like, dude, we found him. We found the guy. The one we've been waiting for. Like all four, did you catch that? They're all from the same city. All of these four characters that we're about to talk about, including Philip and Nathaniel next, they're all from the same town. We should understand and know that they were good Jewish boys. Like they knew their law, they knew the Torah, they knew their scriptures, they knew what they'd been taught, what they were preparing for, at least initially, right? They probably were still, still very surprised in lots of ways, but they knew. And so he goes and gets his brother. It's a very short encounter in the scripture that we read. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus the very next thing. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter. It's in other gospels where after Peter confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and son of God, that he says, this is Peter on this rock. I will build my church. It's a different account here. This is in the, the discipleship, the early call to discipleship here for Andrew and Simon. But Andrew has such a transformational experience that he runs and gets his brother, immediately brings him to Jesus, and he has such a transformational experience. I'm sure there was more to this encounter than what was recorded, but such a transformational experience that his name is changed. He has a new identity. He is now a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. Third chunk, third image of what's going on here. Philip and Nathaniel. Later on, Jesus finds Philip, who then goes to find his friend Nathaniel. And he gives more information, where we know that these four young men 
are good students. They're good Jewish boys. They know what's happening initially. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel, knowing his scriptures well, and knowing that, like, I don't remember anything about Nazareth and all that we were studying. And I know that's sort of a backwoods, backcountry, like, somewhere that not many people go. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel is skeptical. Like, he doesn't say this in sort of a jovial, joking, sarcastic way, which is like my level of communication, right? Like, I read this and I'm like, oh, it's funny. Because we know. He was asking, as like, I'm skeptical, I'm unsure, are you sure? Like, this is a big deal. What you are claiming is a big deal. What you are choosing to follow, what you are now inviting me into, this is a big deal. Are you sure this is the guy? Son of Joseph from Nazareth? And what I love about this encounter is that Philip doesn't respond by like, yeah, let's look in the scripture and we're going to go through all of the Hebrew Bible and I'm going to point out. And he doesn't argue with him. He doesn't battle over scripture. He doesn't try to prove him wrong or right or convince him or argue with him. He simply just says, come and see. You just got to come and see. And when he does, he, he meets Jesus. And there's this whole, like, sort of weird stuff about fig trees. <laughs> it's a little confusing if you've not read it before. If you were in a house group, part of the going deeper section this week for our curriculum is going to be, like, looking into some of the references that are going on there about the reference to the fig tree and, and preparing for the Messiah who prophets talked about as being like the stump or the branch, the root that would come from Jesse. And there's a particular part in Zechariah where the prophet says, and this, this one is going to call his neighbor who sits under a fig tree. <laughs> so it's like sort of like, it's almost as if Jesus knew Nathaniel was coming with lots of skepticism, with lots of questions, with lots of intrigue and doubt, and also with a lot of knowledge with a lot of knowledge of scripture. And he refers to a few days before when he, when he saw and recognized Nathaniel from afar. And he's proving to Nathaniel that I am who I say I am because I knew you even before you knew who I was. I knew you. Maybe getting a snack under a fig tree. I recognized you because I am the son of God. And that was enough right then Nathaniel is amazed, right? He's like, wow. Maybe he even knew those references, and that, that was enough. That was enough for him to follow after Jesus in that moment. Philip doesn't give him a sledgehammer of truth, but an experience. You simply just have to come and see and meet Jesus for yourself. So the quick snapshot through this first chapter of John, the first places recorded in this gospel that we're going to explore when two, three times, two, we hear Jesus and the disciples come and see. So what should this tell us today? What do these encounters between Jesus, Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel teach us? How should they challenge us 
Well, it reminds me that we can't just rely on the words and teachings of others. We've got to experience the grace of Jesus Christ for ourselves as well. You know, someone who grew up in church, as someone who's Jesus called my parents to come and see, who then took me most Sundays to come and see. Like, this also challenges us and reminds us that there's a role to play in discipleship in our families, absolutely. That, in fact, that's, you know, the biggest formative people in my life have been my parents in my faith. I spent many more hours with them than I did in church or children's ministry or youth group that the church then should be sort of the training ground in which we give our parents and families the, the resources and tools they need to, to follow this way, the support, the accountability, that we do this together, that we teach our kids. That's going to be week three, let the children come to me. We're going to talk about the role of discipleship and how we as a church are raising up our kids. Super important. So that challenges me. That, that reminds me that before I'm pastor, I'm also mom. That I have a role to play in raising up my kids in the faith. So that, but as someone who grew up kind of going to church, I will say that I could rely on the faith of others a lot. And there's a role for that, maybe as we come to our own confession. But this story also challenges me that nothing, no, no other faith, no, you know, the, the faith of my parents or the faith of my friends or the faith of other people, they, I can't rely on that completely forever. There comes a time and a day when I've got to experience that grace for myself. This story also reminds us that Jesus welcomes our questions, our, our uncertainty, our doubts, and our skepticism. That in seasons of life and faith, when you're feeling like you don't quite understand it all, that it can't really be true, that that's not exactly what Scripture says, there's a welcome and an openness to still coming and encountering Jesus, even with all that. All of our fears and all of our doubts and all of our worries and all of our skepticisms and different seasons of faith when we... When our, maybe when our faith is shaken, when we have these deep questions, can we still hang on to that Jesus guy? Can we still pray and seek after him and try to experience the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? I find comfort in knowing that Jesus doesn't shame Nathaniel and say, why did you even guess? Like, why did you even, like, if you really knew the scriptures that well, you would have immediately just believed your brother and come. No, Jesus meets him where he is, at the same level of knowledge that Nathaniel is. And he welcomes his questions. He welcomes, and Nathaniel has that transformational experience. This passage also reminds us that revealing, that sort of the revealing and the understanding of Christ and who Christ is, that this is a lifelong journey of discipleship. That we're sort of always on our way. We might go through different seasons where we feel like we understand or we're more confident or we feel closer to God than we, we have been in others, but the truth is we're lifelong learners. That's what it means to seek after Christ for our whole lives. 
it's a journey. And also, finally, we can never underestimate the power of the simple invitation. Come and see. Come and see. We each have our own experiences and our own stories that have been formative and powerful. And we each have a role to play then in inviting other people to come and see. I love uh, Methodist, another Methodist pastor, Reverend James Howell, uh, says this. Our calling is always to come and see. We do not ponder anybody at a distance. I often say if you only hang around the people like yourself, you become arrogant and ignorant. We go to others, to those not really expecting us, and we find both Jesus and ourselves there. He goes on to tell this story that a rich donor was visiting Mother Teresa in Calcutta, and the rich donor pulls out her checkbook and, and says to Mother Teresa, how can I help you in your work? How much do you need? Mother Teresa pressed the checkbook back into the woman's purse, took her by the hand, and said, come and see. She led the woman into an impoverished neighborhood and found a hungry, frail child, and she said, care for her. The woman took the child in her lap, wiped her brow, and fed her. It was a transformative experience. Reverend Howell says, Mother Teresa was right when she said, when we care for a child, we are caring for Jesus. When we love the unloved, we are loving Jesus. Come and see. I reached out to uh, some folks here in the church. Uh, to sh I wanted to know, which was basic questions, who first invited you, sort of this like come and see, who first invited you to revolution, and how have you experienced Christ uh, because of that? Um, so thank you, my dear friends, for entertaining me this week, and we're going to hear from them now. Morning, Revolution. My name is Brandon Jones. Uh, I've been coming here for the last six, seven years now. I found out about Revolution through Mike and Kathy Eklund. They were big helpers and supporters of the Gathering Campus Ministry at U of L, which is the Methodist Campus Ministry. Um, they always talked about it, always invited us, and so one day while I was looking for a home church here in Louisville, uh, I decided to check it out, fell in love with what I saw, fell in love with the culture, the community, the family and friendships that I saw here, and uh, I decided to plug myself in immediately by helping out with the youth group. Um, did that for the next five or six years and getting to see kind of the youth of this church develop um, and just the family that it has here. And uh, in, in that time, I've created my own family within my house group. I've loved being a part of it. I've loved getting to see all of us grow, all of us get challenged. Um, and that's the way I've experienced Christ, is just being able to live life together, challenge each other, and just kind of walk through this process um, of building each other up and showing love and care to each other. We were invited to Rev by Lee and Rayanne Poplinski. Rayanne was the cheer coach at Middletown, and that was where my daughter was going to elementary school. They kind of bonded, and uh, Ray reached out to me and asked if we'd be interested in attending our church. Um, so we did. Um, when we weren't there with the Koplinskis, um, we kind of sat off on the back, uh, just because I'm not big on meeting new people, um, or being around people I don't know. Um, but the teas were 
were always very welcoming and loving. And um, when they formed their house group, um, I didn't even hesitate to join when they asked me to. Um, and the members became friends. And then a bit later, um, that house group branched off into what we have now, and the Farquhars and the Casas, the Wallaces, the Joneses, um, have become my family. Um, I lean on them when I need prayers, love, support, advice, um, and I've, I've seen Christ in the way that we all show up for each other, um, no matter what it is. Um, and before I joined Revolution, I hadn't really seen that at work, or I guess noticed it. Um, so I'm really grateful to be part of a community where that light is shining so brightly in the people, um, the things that they do, the way that they love, and the way that they embrace. Um, I'm just feel really blessed. Good Revolution. So I was first invited by my now husband, Brandon Jones. Um, when he invited me, we were not yet dating. We were still just getting to know each other, and he found out that I was not necessarily a believer yet, and that I'd never been to church, and that I didn't know who Jesus is. So he told me all about Jesus, and then he invited me to Revolution. And I think that one of the biggest ways that I see and experience Christ is through my house group. Um, I've only known these people for a few years now, but it feels like I've known them my whole life. Um, I consider them family. I don't know what I would do without them. I mean, seeing the love that we have for each other and the support that we show each other and the grace uh, is something that I know can only come from Christ because, I mean, people are messy and you gotta have that grace with each other. And so, um, I think that because of that first invitation, I have met some people that I hope to do life with for the rest of my life. Um, and that I know will encourage me in my walk with Christ while also just doing life with me. Um, so shout out to Brandon Jones for that first invitation. <laughs> Jesus says to the first two disciples, what are you seeking? I hear in those testimonies seeking community, belonging, a place to grow in my faith, a place to be challenged and encouraged. Others, I know that I've heard your stories. You are seeking freedom. You are seeking support. Come and see. Jesus says, that I am preparing a place for you to abide with you, to grow with you, to set you free. Isn't that what everybody seeks? Even if they don't quite realize it yet? You know, in a, in a world that continues to be sort of bent on, uh, on hate and, and division and violence and just brokenness and, and broken relationships and there's pain and there's you know, when life goes sideways, what is it that holds? It's the community of faith and the sojourners after Christ together that are seeking to walk this way after Christ 
together. And what I love is that it's not Jesus who personally goes to every single person and says, come and see, but chooses to invite and to witness and to testify and to encourage through other people. That we each have a role to play because I know there are people in our life and, and in, our, in our families, in our neighborhoods that, that are seeking after these same things that we are. And you don't need to know all the answers or have all your doubt and questions figured out to just simply invite, come and see. Come to ladies' night out and experience our community. Come to kids' night out and meet some other young families. Come to guys' night out and have some buy one, get one wings right? I mean, thanks be to God, right? I was waiting for Daryl to testify about the buy one, get one. It's okay. Come on our mission trip and experience Christ who shows up through service. Come and serve with us. Come to worship where we are, we believe our first core value at Revolution Church is reveal, helping Helping others see Jesus, right? That's, that's what we're here to do, to be trained up, to, to proclaim, to speak this truth. That Jesus loves you, and so do we. Come and see. We're going to explore a few more passages in the next couple of weeks of this powerful invitation. But I want you to be thinking of, and even if it wasn't to this church, I want you to think and reflect on the first person who invited you to a very important worshiping community in your life of faith, maybe in an important season, a simple invitation to come along, to be that friend, to host, to welcome, to love. Some of the names that you heard, those folks have moved on. They're no longer here. They've moved. They've gone into the mission field. They have continued to grow and to invite others to come and see in other worshiping communities. So I want you to reflect on maybe one of those early folks for you and then be praying over the next couple of weeks, and who is God calling me to invite to come and see?